Welcome to 19 Hits the Dragon, the podcast of D&D, tabletop gaming, and nerd culture. I'm Rob Mackey. I'm joined, as always, by Mike Daniel. Mike, how's it going, man? I'm doing pretty good. As good as anyone can be in this crazy time we're living through, I think. so. Yeah, that is a fair assessment, I would say. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, go ahead. No, go for <laughs> it. Yeah. So last episode, we were talking about our favorite uh, combat spells in D&D. And so this episode, we're going to look at some of our favorite non-combat spells and kind of talk through those because there's plenty of that to be had. Not every spell in D&D blows things up, I would say. That's true. There are uh, plenty of spells that do a lot of other great things. Um, so last week we looked at, yeah, combat specific spells. And uh, as I mentioned, you know, my classification for that was casting time is action, bonus action, reaction, um, does damage, heals, protects, or uh, buffs attacks, um, or otherwise directly affects combat specific situations. Um, so this week, my uh, sort of list includes everything that doesn't fall into those parameters, essentially, or not everything, but my favorite spells that don't fall into those parameters, essentially. Um, Rob, did you have any anything in particular you were looking at when you put together your list for, for this well, week? Well, as, as with the combat spells, I was a bit more loosey-goosey with it. I was like, does it heal mm-hmm. anything? No. Does it do damage? Does it do direct damage? Well, damage in general, right? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. otherwise, does it impose a status? Does it... um, Or something like that, which actually there's an example that is in kind of a gray area because it definitely imposes mm-hmm. a saving throw on an unwilling participant, but that's coming ahead in the distant future. Um. But I was just like, does it heal? Does it do damage? Uh, if the answer was not really to either of those, like I would consider it a non-combat spell, even if it has, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's something like, say, to include an example that is not on this list, even if it's something like Dimension Door that has a clear combat application. But I mean, mm-hmm. is it really a combat spell though? You can just kind of- right, yeah. That's very much a utility spell. There, you can use it in all kinds of situations. For mobility purposes. Yeah. So. I I guess, yeah, there are kind of some other spells that are sort of in a weird, like, kind of gray area in that they don't... Yeah, I have a couple of those, too, where it's like there are combat applications for this, um, but it just does a lot more than strictly combat. So that's why I've in, included them in this list as opposed to our combat list. So For sure. All right. Uh, what do you got to start off with? Um, well, for my cantrips, uh, oh, and just as a reminder as well, um, we're looking strictly at spells from the Player's Handbook, Sword Coast Adventures Guide, and Xanathar's Guide to Everything, um, because spells in, like, setting specific things, maybe both of us don't have immediate access to. Uh, it's not super common for people to have access to them unless they're playing in those settings specific um, and also Tasha's Cauldron of Everything is not out at the time of recording. So uh, we'll probably circle back around to those spells at a later date. Uh, and chances are a lot of those setting-specific spells will end up in Tasha's. 
Um, so yeah, just looking at those kind of core, um, well, not core books there, but I guess the, the most common um, books that players have access to and, and DMs as well. Um, so I uh, started off here with my cantrip though, is Prestidigitation, which is really the most useful uh, cantrip that there is, I would say. Um, it can do almost anything. You can create, you know, some small harmless sensory effects like, uh, you know, sparkles or uh, musical notes, make an odor. You can light candles or torch or a campfire, etc. You you can reflavor food so it tastes good. Um, you can uh, chill and, and warm up uh, things, turn things colors like on your skin or on an object all kinds of stuff. There's there's really, there's, there's almost no uh, end or limit to the variety of small little effects that prestidigitation can uh, make happen. And if you're a creative player um, and you have an accepting DM, you can get away with a lot with prestidigitation. So that's why I, I really love it. Yeah, I was about to say, with respect to prestidigitation, I feel like it's a real magnet for if not abuse, then, you know, a sort of playful stretching of its parameters, I guess. For sure. Oh, for sure. Like, I, Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely pushed the boundaries with prestidigitation. Uh, but again, I had a DM that was kind of okay with it, or he would make exceptions for specific instances. So, um, sure. yeah. I am curious to know, then, what would be an example of a time that you used uh, prestidigitation in sort of a stretchy sort of way? <laughs> Hey there, folks. Mike here. Um, so yeah, I told a really gross story here and have regrets about doing so. Uh, since leaving the story in would have meant we uh, marked this episode as explicit and uh, definitely put up a content warning for the story as well. Um, and since I already had regrets about telling the story, decided to take it out. Uh, wasn't really a great way to do so, so you get me here telling you that I have regrets, and I'm sorry about that. Um, I will leave you with this. Prestidigitation, really great at cleaning up gross messes. So, yeah, there you have it. Enjoy the rest of the show. I guess it's unclear in various settings to what theory the germ theory of disease is like commonly accepted oh boy uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah that that happened in a game that i uh, took part in and not my proudest moment certainly but i had to be creative with my uses of spells and get the thing that we needed so All i right. did what i that is in the moment felt like example. i had to do so yeah. <laughs> You went into it and you're like, this is going to be gross. And I was yep. like, yeah, fucking sweet. Let's fucking uh, so, hear it. Now I'm just like, okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. No, you're just horrified at the decisions that I've I had mean, to make. It's a game, life. right? Um, and game, I mean, if it life. were real life, I mean, if that's what you're into, I mean, uh, that's fine. This is a, yep, yeah, yep, yep. This is an inclusive space absolutely not yeah al nope. also true not not here to kink shame anyone absolutely <laughs> uh anyway what do you got rob what was your cantrip of choice uh my cantrip of choice was light 
It makes things, it gives you a torch. You can just have it. It's there. Yeah, super useful. Yeah, things are things are lighted now. It's great. You couldn't always yeah. do that. Um, although basically all the time I've been playing, you could do that. It's been a yeah. cantrip yeah. since third edition. In first edition, no, not first edition. I was looking at second edition earlier. That's the edition. My God. Mm-hmm. In second edition, it's a first level spell, which... Uh-huh. Uh, because for second edition really doesn't have cantrips, so right? Right. Yeah, I'm guessing first edition doesn't either. Without knowing off the top of my head, I'm rather certain it doesn't. But uh, yeah, it casts light. Always useful. Uh, for the your buddies who don't have dark vision, mm-hmm. they need to see when it is dark. Uh, nobody wants to keep track of how long a given torch has been lit. That includes your GM. Yep. They don't, they're just like, oh, fuck, we got these goblins coming up and they're going to be here and shit. And oh, by the way, how's your torch looking? Nobody, yeah. Nah, yeah. No, nobody um, wants to do that. Yeah. I've seen just, a lot of really cool applications of light where people will like cast it on a small object and throw it down a dark hallway or a dark well to see how far it goes um so yeah it's it's a very useful spell just beyond the applications of you know giving a light to the immediate area um i i've seen it you know permanently cast on a a stick of chalk and then when you write with the chalk the chalk writing stays lit as well um so yeah, it's uh, it's a fun spell for sure. Yep, for sure. That uh, the like toss, cast it on a pebble or something, and throw it wherever. That one's pretty classic mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah, for sure. That's just smart. It's good thinking. It's the sort of thing where when I see it as a GM, I'm like, I want to reward this hustle. Yeah, maybe for sure. there's not anything there, but I'm like. I like the way they're thinking and I like the way people are being deliberate mm-hmm. about stuff. Absolutely. All right. We got a lot of spells to go through here, so let's kind of keep it moving. Uh, what do you got for, for first sure. level you want to talk about? Uh, so, yeah, my favorite first level spell is without a doubt, find familiar. Um, it's super useful. Again, it's one that does have a lot of applications in combat as well, because you're, so when you find familiar, you're basically summoning a small creature to be your companion as a spellcaster. Um, and you can sort of command it to do different stuff. You can use it, um, as you can use it as your own eyes and ears and so forth. there out to a, a, a pretty nice distance of a hundred feet. Uh, and be able to communicate with it telepathically. Um, You can cast touch spells through it um, or on it even. um, Through the the creature can cast these spells itself essentially using your spell slots. Um, So you can like, you know, in the midst of combat, you can have through the creature cast dragon's breath on it and then it has a breath weapon for you know that the remainder of combat and can fly around and cast that so that you're not having to you know cast that on yourself and get in the midst of danger as a squishy caster um it's also really great for like exploring areas um getting on the other sides of like locked doors or windows um yeah i mean there's really again like no limit to 
the applications or the uses of having a familiar that you can communicate with telepathically and, you know, go into the mind of to experience things through its senses. So, yeah. For sure. Although worth pointing out, though, that your familiar itself is also quite squishy. In true. Basically. Very true. All instances I can think of. Yeah, they usually um, have like one hit point. Um, if you are a warlock and you picked the Pact of the Chain, it gets a little bit more health and can um, actually attack in combat, which is nice, but still going to be pretty squishy. So in 5th edition, if your familiar dies, it's not like the end of the world, right? I don't know anybody who's such a monster that like they would be... Mm-hmm not a bit sore about it everybody i've seen who's uh had a familiar has like given it a name and like maybe made up some habits for it or otherwise you know incorporated it Mm -hmm. a bit and like made it like kind of friendly for them yeah it's uh, like having a little pet yeah it is like having a little pet very much so um but i was uh taking a look at the second edition player's handbook and um because um, those of you who know me know that I've spent the last year and a half really <laughs> playing um, Baldur's Gate Enhanced Editions, mm-hmm. um, both the first one and the second one, uh, fairly extensively. Because um, I never got to play them back in the day. So, you know, we live in the future. So <laughs> right. every game that used to be now is again. Anyway, so first off, uh, find familiar in the second edition player's handbook. First off. It's terrifying. It's a very long spell indeed <laughs> in terms of text. There's a table for a D20 roll for what animal you get, basically. I'm assuming that um, rolling for what animal you get is treated as compulsory because mm-hmm. it's second edition. Uh, here's my little speech. You kids out there <laughs> who think that you can just pick whatever. <laughs> second edition is having none of that. Anyway, um, but uh, when your familiar dies, basically, um, uh, you have to roll a system shock roll, which is, it's a percentile Always dangerous. Tied to your constitution score. Yeah, and I think you have to get under your percentage of system shock or else you die. Yeah, and if you pass the system shock check... um, which also, by the way, the system shock check also, just to go on a brief tangent for, with this, um, my understanding of it is a bit limited, but like if you got resurrected, you had to make a system shock check. If you got petrified and unpetrified, okay. say, you'd have uh-huh. to make a system shock check. So it had those kinds of right. uses. But even if you passed this check when your familiar died, you permanently lost a wow. point of constitution. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Fi- Fifth edition is much uh, friendlier for sure. If your familiar dies, it just dies, and then you can cast the spell again to bring it back. Which, you know that that sucks to be to lose a friend, but you can just kind of poof him back into existence with uh, very little uh, effort. I mean, you just need a you know uh, a little bit of uh, charcoal or incense or something, and a brazier that you can use to cast the spell with, and then you're good which can take some doing sometimes uh, if you don't, if you're not in a place where you can get easy access to that. But uh, yeah, nothing quite like what second edition puts you through if your familiar dies. 
for sure. Although, really, a brazier isn't always uh, easy true. to come by. If you're exactly. in like a, a you know a, a town or something, you could probably find one, uh, regardless of the size of the town. But um, yeah, otherwise it can be tough. Unless you're just lugging around your own brazier in your bag of holding or something, <laughs> just in case. For sure. Although, yeah, that would be nice, though, just carry it around in a bag of holding yeah. like that. Yeah, that would be legit. Anyway, I know I've spent a lot of time on this, and I swear I'll stop after a bit, but I just want to read this passage Go real for quick. It. Because it's so cryptic <laughs> in a way that if you see it even, even as a GM, you're like, oh, now I got to make this mm -hmm. up too. <clears throat> Deliberate mistreatment, failure to feed and care for the familiar, or continuous unreasonable demands have adverse effects on the familiar's relationship with its master. Period. It goes on. Purposely arranging the death of one's own familiar incurs great disfavor from certain powerful <laughs> yes. entities with mm -hmm. dire results. That's it. Wow. That's all it says. <laughs> Just like, that's a fuck you to the player yeah, for and sure. the GM. Like, yeah. Just you Although figure it you out. Know, it, if a player of mine is abusing his animal companion, I'm going to... Well, yeah, I, I'm going to make there be some recompense for sure. So I guess having that in the, oh. the spell description uh, just gives you that much more sort of backing behind that decision. So, Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is legit. The thing with second edition, and someday we'll just do an episode where we go through this PHP <laughs> and gawk at okay. it, basically. But... Basically, to kind of tie together, like, the, like, theories of um, 5th edition as, like, a democratized game and, like, prior editions as mm -hmm. absolutely not that. Like, I think, yeah. With 2nd edition, you go into it reading it thinking that this is some sort of, like, strict imperative and you're supposed to do something, like, very specific mm -hmm. that you're not okay. being told what yeah. it is. Anyway. For sure. That makes it tougher. For sure. It's a mindset thing. Um, cool. Yeah, that's a nice, interesting deep dive into Find Familiar. I didn't have any idea about sort of the uh, the history of the spell like that. So, cool. Well, I had it. I learned it because um, in Baldur's Gate, uh, you can only cast Find Familiar if only mm. the main mm -hmm. character can cast it. So if you recruit one of the many NPC wizards right, who are okay. about, they can't do it. But yeah, my familiar ah. died several times. But you know, thanks to the power of safe scumming, <laughs> it was fine. But anyway. for sure. Um, but yeah, what uh, what spell did you get at first level, or did you pick? I should say. I picked okay. identify. Identify knows all. It sees all. It tells you what a thing is and what a magic item does. Mm -hmm. It uh, before you turn to that. Uh, cursed rod of you know it's a rod i don't know i didn't i should have come up with a curse cursed rod I, of cursedness know, with this joke but yeah cursed rod of cursing yeah <laughs> there you go thank you pulling me out of the fire <laughs> i got you one. bro but but um, yeah. yeah you can learn what things do and what they're about and that's always fun and it's it's fun t as me for me as a 
GM. It's fun to see because like um my last game, like it was kind of like going through the dungeon and finding a bunch of obviously magic items mm-hmm. that they didn't know what they did. And then eventually when they have like an hour or however many times they need for the wizard to ritual cast it um, for 10 minutes a pop. Um, it was like <laughs> Christmas, basically. For sure. Just like, yeah. ooh, what do we got here? Ooh, got this one. This is a sword of whatever. And this potion does this. And yeah. And so... That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it definitely has that sort of Christmas um, morning type feel to it, where you're just sort of opening all of the packages and figuring out what everything is and who gets what magic items because something like jumps out to them. So, yeah, it's a good time. And while I've spent plenty of time already going on a history lesson, unfortunately, <laughs> I must do so okay, again go with for Identify. It. First, I want to talk about in Pathfinder, because those of you who remember your third edition remember that, like, oh, what does a magic item do? Oh, that just mm-hmm. gives a spellcraft check. So Identify just gives you a plus mm-hmm. 10 to your okay. spellcraft check. Yeah. Also, kind of circling um, backwards again, uh, this is kind of a complaint uh, with Identify as it exists in fifth edition, because... At least in my PHP, and I know that my PHP is from 2016, and I know that um, if you have a PHP from later, it's possible that this was eroded mm-hmm. out or something. But it seems weird that it is here. But anyway, the text of it says it's like you can use this spell to determine what spells are placed on mm-hmm. the item, if any, which for me, that's a little weird because 5th edition doesn't tell you what spells are used to create what magic right, items right. anyway so what are we talking sure. about here exactly mild, mild yeah, annoyance, the only but, uh, application i can think of right away is if you have an item that's like spell storing uh, which there are some rings and stuff like that um and there are a few spells that can like like animate object and so forth but i, I feel like most of those are going to be pretty obvious so yeah and it's interesting that they would include that, yeah, but fair. not the mechanics to cast spells on items and create magic items with particular spells. Huh. I hadn't really thought about that. So good For point, sure. Rob. So now let's look at Identify in 2nd Edition. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to, again, just read from the book. This is going to take a bit. I'll try and go through this quickly because some of this is ridiculous. Quote, (laughs) The eight hours immediately preceding the casting of the spell must be spent purifying purifying the items and removing influences that would corrupt and blur Mm. their magical auras. If this period is interrupted, it must be begun again. Wow. Wow. Fuck. Moving on. Quote, The chance of learning a piece of information about an item is equal to 10% per level of the caster to a maximum of 90% rolled by the DM. A roll of 96 to 100 indicates a false reading. 91 to 95 reveals nothing. (laughs) 
It gets worse. Only one function of a multi-function item is discovered per handling, i.e. a fifth level wizard could attempt to determine the nature of five different items, five different functions of a single item, or any combination of the two. If any attempt at reading fails, the caster cannot learn any more about that item until he advances a level. I also got to shout out this last one because, again, we'll go through it someday. But when we do that on that distant day, the drum I'm going to bang over and over again is just how not streamlined absolutely (laughs) anything is. So here's an example of that. The oh, first off, oh, I forgot because <clears throat> the first sentence here is enough of a freaking <laughs> slap already. Again, quote: "The item never reveals its exact attack or damage what? bonuses, <laughs> although the fact that it has few or many bonuses can be determined." What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a plus sword. <laughs> Fuck, man. I don't know. What do you want from me? I'm just looking at this. <laughs> if it has charges, only a general indication of the number of charges remaining is learned. Powerful, 81% to 100% of the total possible charges. Strong, 61 to 80%. Moderate, 41 to 60%. Weak, 6 to 40%, or faint, 5 charges or less. Yeah. Which, god damn it. You had it. Yeah, we're going to change it from percent (laughs) just because, yeah. Just because whoever wrote this was severely (laughs) over-caffeinated and an expression of sympathy, I guess, probably Mm, behind their deadline. Alright, I just, I was looking at this earlier today, and I saw this, and I was like, what in the whirling whatevers? Jeez. Yikes. Yikes on uh, second edition, man. Alright. It's wild. It's a trip. Alright, you got anything for second level? For second level, um, I went with aid. Uh, which is one of my favorite spells of all time, not just second level spells. Um, it is uh, fantastic. So what A does at base level, um, you pick three creatures and you just increase their hit points by five um, for eight hours. So all of the creatures around you just have five, or not all of them, but uh, you know a number of them around you. Um, you know, either the rest of the party or yourself and two members um, get five extra hit points. And that just lasts all day. And it's not temporary hit points, so they don't go away permanently after you use them. They stay there for eight hours. So for the rest of that day, the party can get healed those five uh, hit points as well. Um, and then if you upcast that, it increases by five Uh, The number does by five for every uh, slot level above second level. So at third level, you're giving everyone 10 HP, 15, uh, 20, and and so on, Um, which is really great. And it doesn't require concentration or anything like that. It just happens. Um, So it's a really great spell to buff the party for an adventuring day. You know, you cast aid at the beginning of the day, and then just everyone has... 
those extra hit points uh, for the duration of um, that day while you're out adventuring or doing whatever. Uh, it's super handy. Yeah, that's nice. I uh, I kind of sleep on aid because I sort of forget what it does, and I'm used to back in the day where it's kind of... Well, in Pathfinder, it, it mm-hmm. kind of works like Bless. I think mm-hmm. it might stack with Bless, so there's that. I would have to look further into it, but <laughs> it's okay. I'm very sorry yeah. because, you know, it's in this, the year 2020, like we are front, confronted with several problems, but for the most part, one of those problems is not worth worrying about whether or not <laughs> shit stacks yes. still. Not something we have to worry about often at anyway, all, which is nice. Uh yeah. But yeah, I sleep on aid. That's good. Uh yeah, it's a really great second level spell. Um so that's that's why it was my pick. What what did you go with for second level? I uh, went with detect mm, thoughts. Another excellent choice. Detect thoughts is a fun one. Those of you who have listened to our previous episode know that I have something of a bias to um stuff that seems like you could like slot into like a sword and sorcery thing that like would be like oh this person can read my thoughts like when Mm -hmm. i was talking about hold person i was like this person can freeze me with their mind and detect thoughts i think is similar like it's just kind of like it's one of those things that regardless of like the actual like genre of fiction Mm -hmm. going on like it's always kind of like a deal Mm -hmm. is made of it so it's cool and has that going for it as a as a gm it can be great in a couple of ways one if you um if you know your wizard or whoever is able to do it is inclined to do it like you can it can be a way to communicate Mm -hmm. information to them if they go that route and just as an aside just Always make sure you have more than one way to communicate information to your players, but moving on. Um, and also, like, it can be fun to do to the players and kind of mm, give mm-hmm. them a nice little scare. For sure. So, you know, it's like, make a saving throw. It's like, you feel your mind being <laughs> peered into. For sure. Yeah. It can also be a, a good way to mess with your players. So if you're, you know, if they're going up against someone who would have like mental defenses against their mind being read, you can, you know, show them some funny or weird stuff in this person's mind um, when they're trying to, to probe and get information on it or out of it, I should say. So, yeah. For sure. That's a yeah. good one. Uh, so what what did you pick for your third level spell? I picked Dispel Magic. Still the king. Um, yeah. It dispels things. Again, um, worth pointing out, we are very much in the territory of, like, this has plenty of combat for applications. Sure. For sure. Because it can dispel a lot of buffs and a lot of previous editions it could potentially dispel enchantments on weapons Mm -hmm. and things like that or armor for example so things like that so definite combat applications but also has non-combat applications if you come up against any magical traps glyphs of warding other weird things um uh yeah that's it uh kind of gets you past it i uh and i like how they implemented it in fifth edition because it 
was definitely one of those um spells then previous editions it's like mm-hmm. it's like tied to your level i've talked about yep. this with magic missile say where it's like well you get better at it as you level up but i really think <sighs> i have some issues with making everything upcasting in the mm-hmm. way that fifth edition does but i think for dispel magic it makes a lot of sense because first off it's kind of like mm-hmm. a bet you know with yourself if you are either don't know what exact spell effect you're facing or if your commitment to not metagaming is extremely (laughs) admirable Uh you're like or if you know what spell it is and you're metagaming that but you also think you can get away with casting it under Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. making the check like i think that's really cool and really fun yeah there's a lot of nuances to it and it's one that's pretty much always good to have on you say like dispel magic and detect magic just like having those in your arsenal is pretty essential um as any sort of spellcaster so yeah yep it's great so my third level level spell i took a spell out of xanathar's guide from everything and i went with catnap which is a fun little spell. It basically gives you and three, uh, well, up to three willing creatures, um, a short rest in the manner uh, or matter of 10 minutes. So if you need a short rest with, you know, a couple of your party members to regain some, some spell slots as a warlock or, you know, abilities as a fighter or bard or, you know, all, uh, all of these different classes have things that they regain um on a short rest but you don't always have an hour to do that short rest right so if you're on under a little bit of a time crunch but you can take 10 minutes um you can just get a cat nap to those people that need it um and they can regain their abilities maybe spend some hit die and you're not taking that full hour um of a short rest that 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 would normally take so um it's it's fun and really useful and um it's saved my butt in a couple of uh, games or sessions uh, when we were under the gun, but still needed to get some charges back on things that um, we had the ability to do. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a neat one. I um, I like how that's structured because me being me, uh, like I look at it's like a short rest in 10 minutes what are we popes like what is this and no but no that's fair though Mm -hmm. because it's third level and it only affects three and you have to cast it for more people so you have to think about it i like the i like kind of the situational Mm -hmm. thinking it imposes kind of like what you were suggesting like if you have fighter or or a bard with Mm -hmm. you or something like that like you you have to make decisions about who gets it basically if you have a wizard too you know like wizards benefit from a short rest clerics benefit from a short rest like i'm just thinking i mean obviously everybody benefits right but certain classes have things that benefit they have more things that benefit from a short rest than others so yeah yeah for sure my point is is as you know i approach everything in xanathar's from the perspective of how is this busted (laughs) (laughs) and i don't think it is i think that's Mm -hmm. totally fair and kind of neat and very kind of like like it alters the like rules mm-hmm. in a fun mm-hmm. way i guess in a in a way that yeah 
is kind of neat and does what magic is supposed to do, which is break reality <laughs> yes. itself. Um, I also just really like that the uh, material components for it is a pinch of sand. So it's like a, you know, Sandman just kind of coming around and uh, hitting everybody with some, some sleeping sand and knocking them out for a few minutes, um, but in a regenerative way. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Although when was the last time sand <laughs> helped you sleep? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I can't name a time. It's it's rough and coarse and gets everywhere. So, <laughs> damn it, sculpt. Uh, you you just kind of left the door open for that one there, so I just walked right in. Uh, I'm sorry. Nah, man, I was playing chicken <laughs> with it. I was thinking, well, if he doesn't, then I'm gonna, and then, uh, got snapped. <laughs> Boom, headshot. Uh, good times. Uh, yeah, but Catnap, it's a fun spell. Yeah. Check it out whenever you get the chance. Uh, or make use of it as, as you can. Um, moving on to fourth level, For I sure. took, again, one of my favorite spells here, um, as a cleric to cast, which is Death Ward. Um, similarly to Aid, it's something that you can cast, like, at the beginning of the day, and it just lasts for eight hours, no concentration required. It's a protective spell, and basically what it does is if the target that you would cast it on would drop to zero hit points as a result of taking damage, the target instead drops to one hit point, um, ending the spell. And uh, if the target is hit with something that would kill it outright, say power word kill uh the spell that spell just has no effect um and then death word ends as well um so it's a really great protective spell that can you know stop your party members from dying if you're in a situation where that's uh you know prone to happen or if your player character has a really strong relationship with someone else that tends to be pretty reckless. You can cast that on them so that they can go still be reckless and have a little bit of a buffer there from dying. Um, or in uh, a way of like, oh, sorry, L Luan's barking away. Um, dog, love him, but uh, yeah. Hi, Luan. Uh, yeah, but if... Um, Can't hear me. If you have, let's say, like a uh, barbarian and an orc or a half orc that have that already the resistance of if they get knocked out, they just drop to, you know, one hit point instead, right? And then barbarians have a couple other things that allow them to do similar things as well. So you can just kind of stack that all together and you basically make an unkillable um, fighter, frontline fighter there. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty dope. It's a good one. It's one that I have, but I forget to mm. use most of the time. Because I'm like, but I need it. I need those fourth level <laughs> slots to upcast spiritual <laughs> weapon. For sure. Yeah. Which sounds like a joke <laughs> nope, and is big, not. Big old hammer coming, swinging through. Um, but yeah, so that, that was my fourth yep. level spell. Did you pick any uh, fourth level spells to talk about there, Rob? Or anything else that we Well, I picked my... Missed? My fourth level spell is a second, third level spell. Ah, okay. And that is Leoman's Tiny Hut. Okay. Yeah. It's a hut. It's tiny. You can sleep in it. Again, we didn't always mm -hmm. have this back in the day. But, yeah. I mean, fits ten people, so even if you're... Even if your group of players is like seven or eight people, mm -hmm. they're mm -hmm. not screwed. 
and everybody can sleep in the tiny hut and get all their spells yeah. back. And even if you're outside and you don't want to get, you know, eaten by other <laughs> caps or whatever. Yeah, it's a nice little magical barrier there, and you can kind of control the climate inside of it as well. Um, I have a game with a very gracious DM who let our wizard uh, cast it underwater and make basically like a, you know, non-moving sphere of space where, or I guess, hemisphere of space at the bottom of a uh, riverbed uh, that we all got to sleep in when we were running from some people chasing us with dogs. So, That is a very yeah. generous. I, I, I don't think rules as written I mean, it should work like that. Although it does say that the area is area inside of the dome is dry, um, so that was kind of the leverage that our wizard used to uh, talk their way into that. So. Yeah, but how did well, you? Well, yeah, get like to diving underwater curious. and then casting the spell because they also have the ability, like a water breathing ability, whatever their race is. I can't remember right offhand. Um, so, uh, being able to breathe and, uh, you know, I guess speak underwater, um, allowed them to cast the spell from at the bottom of the riverbed. So, yeah. Okay. That's cool. Oh yeah. Also oh, shout out sure. to water breathing. Mm -hmm. It's pretty choice. Yeah. You breathe underwater. It's great. It lasts for... Was it last four and fifth edition? I should remember, but since I didn't actually remember to put it on my list, uh, I didn't remember to put, let me look it up. It's at see. least two hours, possibly longer than that. I will pull it up. Doop, 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 doop. Last for 24 hours, actually. Damn. That's. Yeah. All right. There you go. Yep. Perfect for your next Aboleth hunting campaign. <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, All right. But yeah, Leomond, he has a tiny mm -hmm. hut. It's yep. great. And you can yep. make it, you know, opaque or completely see-through. You can affect the climate inside and make it nice when it would normally be like stormy outside. So, um, yeah, this is a very good spell. word how about you mike do you have a fourth level spell um, you'd like to talk about i my next spell is a fifth level spell so if you have any more third levels then we can touch on that um otherwise we can move on nope that's cool. all i got all oh, yeah, right you we, already we did, talked about a uh, death level spell. i'm sorry i i didn't realize you had more third level spells to talk about um no 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 i didn't realize either and then you were saying like yeah Rob, do you have any fourth level spells? Or you started talking about yeah, Death yeah, Lord, yeah. and I was just like, oh, God, I'm going to do the thing where I start talking and I cut you <laughs> off, and people are listening to this and no God. Okay, cool. Uh, well, yeah. So, so and we then can... by the time it came back around, because, you know, since I'm, you know, head in the clouds and all that, I forgot. <laughs> you had already done your fourth level level spell and i'm still talking all right mike what's your favorite fifth level spell? uh yeah so this one I, I i have a shout out to give as well because for fifth level i chose awaken which is a great spell and a lot of fun basically what awaken does is it um creates or turns a creature or a uh, existing plant already into a smart version of that thing um 
the target gains the like their intelligence score is increased to uh, an intelligence of 10. Um, if you chose a plant or something, you can basically just use the statistics of an awakened shrub or an awakened tree um, to have as kind of a companion. Um, but if it's an animal, then you that's already like a you know a pet or a member of the party, say the ranger's um, beast companion, or you know anyone can have pets as well. Um, you just make them smart, and they're able to talk to you. Um, and the same goes if you awaken a plant and use the tree or the awakened tree or awakened shrub uh, stats that already exist out there. Um, you just have this companion now that's with you that is intelligent and you can speak with it and use it for all kinds of like reconnaissance or use it in combat or, you know, any anything um, under the sun that you can think of to do with your uh, animal or plant companion. Um, and now it has the ability to speak with you intelligently. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really great, really fun spell. Yeah. Neat. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is that one in the PHP? PHP? Yeah. What? It is in the basic rules, as a matter of fact. So it's, uh, under the open gaming license as well. So, yeah. Um, but a quick shout out alongside that to Animate Object, um, which has a lot of the same flavor, but is a little bit more specific to combat than, um... Awaken is um, because it's like you know the creature is there the the object that you animated is kind of there to be a combatant. Um, it's not quite as useful, although it does have some utility um, outside of combat. But the concentrate its concentration it only lasts for a minute versus awaken, which just is instantaneous. There's no concentration and it lasts forever. So. Um, that's why I went with Awaken over Animated Object, even though I do also really enjoy um, Animated Objects. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, Animated Objects. Now, that's a fun one. I like the idea of just making my own tiny homunculuses to fight alongside. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, or just creating the um, the kitchen scene from Beauty and the Beast where everything's just dancing around and feeding your new guest in the kitchen and yeah i yeah although i'm still not trying the gray stuff it's gray <laughs> how good can it be uh, <laughs> yeah anyway yeah also awakened uh the the awakened beast or plant is charmed by you for 30 days so it's like automatically your friend um but if you treat it well then it will probably just stick with you you know indefinitely um, and stay friendly to Word. you again so, uh, a yeah. good lesson it, once again for the second time in this episode a good lesson on treating your pets like with kindness and respect absolutely yeah for sure um but what did uh, what did you have for fifth level there rob all right so first i have to do um my shout out for fifth okay. level because um this is the only spell that I have to talk about today that is um, in the used to be cool file, but I kind of think mm -hmm. it really isn't anymore. And this is, ooh, pick a pronunciation, uh, anyone. Yeah, Let's we go talked with about this Beats. last week a little bit as well. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. 
So, 5th edition, it's all fine, and it's all well, and it's all good, except it only lasts 30 days, no well, matter what. you can it, but yeah, still. Which is... Stuff. Yeah, it's still pretty limiting, man. I had a situation where I wanted to, um, as kind of a weird Easter egg, as it were, uh, I was playing in a game. Uh, one of the players was an Archfey okay. Warlock. Mm-hmm. I was DMing a game. Gotcha. I was not playing in this one. I was playing as the DM. Oh, my God. <laughs> What's wrong? You, yeah, you were DMing anyway. a game, and it was an Archfey Warlock. I was uh-huh. doing thing. Verbs happened. Anyway. Um, yeah, so I, as kind of an Easter egg, tucked away in like a remote corner of a dungeon that they ended up not getting to before <laughs> I killed them all. Um, there was a book that um, f- that was like this old weird text mm-hmm. from the okay. Archfey. And the idea of it was that um, uh, everybody else in the party would just open it and see it like blank pages. But if the warlock looked at it, she would have to make um, the save for Gius um, at disadvantage because this is her patron communicating with her. Yeah. And uh, take the book to the Uh, library candlekeep. Which wouldn't have necessarily had any other mm-hmm. bad consequences, except they were not in an easy position right. to do right. that, shall we say. They would have had to get all the way there. But in just in that being the case, like that um, shows you why like 30 mm-hmm. days is kind mm-hmm. of a problem here. Because if they're more than 30 days away already, like... Yeah, like, well... Sorry, go ahead. So I think... Yeah, I was just going to no, say, I, I also like to use Gius uh, as a as a DM. It's not one that I use when I'm playing or playing a spellcaster. Um, but I, I tend to treat it like it's been, especially if it's coming from like a patron or maybe some sort of uh, arch fiend or something um, that is really powerful in casting this spell, that they're essentially casting it as though it were a ninth level spell. Um, because when you upcast Gius, it lasts for longer and longer, and ninth level is just permanent. Um, so that's kind of my my take on it, anyway. So, which again is maybe not sure. as powerful as it had been for previous editions. I am not super familiar with the history on this one either. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it can still be useful. But I I don't have as much use for it as a player as I would like um, for a spell like that. So. Oh yeah, for sure. This is not a like this is not a spell that I would use as a player mm-hmm. either. But anyway, to get to your kind of thing. So in previous editions, um first off, it was a 6th level spell. Okay. So which, you know, is more than 5 but less than mm-hmm. 9, which is crucial. <laughs> in 3rd edition, it's actually split um it's split between like the Gius and lesser Gius which has a bit more limitations but basically um they're both they're permanent Mm -hmm. for the most part third edition uh well pathfinder goes out of its way to say that like if the nature of the geas is such that like it's not 
you're not like directly responsible for the thing you're bringing mm-hmm. about in carrying out your geas like then it um has potential limitations in terms okay. of time or something like that it was confusing man like um yeah let and me while, look it while you're doing quick. that just to, to clarify for anyone who doesn't know what geas does it basically you name a a quest or a task or something that the target has to complete uh, otherwise they take psychic damage when they try to not do that thing um so yeah they are basically magically compelled to go um complete whatever sort of task like taking a book to um candle keep or going to candle keep and finding this forbidden piece of lore that was one that i used um last campaign that we rob and i played in um so uh yeah it can be uh, it can be a really cleverly used uh used spell to like force a side quest on a player um and sometimes that can disrupt things um as far as where the the campaign is going um so it's one that you do have to be kind of careful in using um and yeah it, it has that sort of flavor that uh rob mentioned of like it's it's a classic sword and sorcery trope right like this powerful spellcaster is forcing people to go and complete their bidding essentially by compelling them to to do so magically so for sure okay i found the thing so here is the relevant text from the pathfinder core book pages 288 to 289 If the instructions involve some open-ended task that the recipient cannot complete through his own actions, the spell remains in effect for a maximum of one day per caster level. A clever recipient can can subvert some instructions. So, yeah. So there were kind of limitations mm-hmm. on it in Pathfinder, sort of, kind of. But the, the real difference um, between, like, earlier versions are the consequences. Mm-hmm it for not mm-hmm. following your gears in um pathfinder you take uh severe ability score penalties uh for not following your gears and in second edition and before like if you don't follow mm-hmm. you get mm-hmm. sick and die yeah basically um and uh one last thing um worth pointing out uh, for anybody who isn't familiar um just you can't you cannot, uh, uh, you cannot issue uh, right Any, anything that would cause the creature to harm itself in any severe way, especially. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a great way to kind of fuck with your players, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, as Mike pointed out, and you know, and again, definitely has that sort of like compelled by the powerful magic user to do this thing going for it too which i'm all about so yeah anyway so that's not my (laughs) fifth level spell (laughs) my fifth level spell is scrying which again is just what it's about if you want again this is for this is mostly for when i'm a gm Mm -hmm. because as a player it has some uses but 
The problem is most of the times that players I've seen have wanted to use it, they've been doing so in a situ in an unfavorable situation because the more you know the person you're trying to scry into, mm-hmm. the better. And a lot of times if you're a player, it's going to be someone of villainous intent who you don't necessarily right, right. know super well. I mean, obviously that can change depending on the game and the nature of it. Um, but yeah. But it's just very cool. It allows you, it allows you to see things. And yeah, it's that yeah. kind of classic. Like I'm looking into a crystal ball that I'm trying to see, you know, what's happening with this particular person or in this particular location. Um, it's it's a very useful spell for sure. Yeah, for sure. I don't think fifth edition has enough crystal. <laughs> Definitely balls. not. Although there are uh, a set yeah. of magic items of crystal balls, which are nice, but um, yeah, could come up more in fifth edition for sure. For sure. So yeah, scrying is what I got for fifth level. All right. I also wanted to talk about teleportation circle, um, which is a fun one. Uh basically you draw a circle it's um yeah it's marked with arcane stuff and whatever and it teleports you to other places preferably ones with another teleportation circle um i like that they can be made permanent uh with a casting of the spell once a day for a year which is you know not a small ask by any means but i think that's a fair exchange for such a really quite powerful spell to Absolutely. be just fifth level. Really? In doing my research for uh, this episode, I did try and see what it w- what it was like mm-hmm. in second edition. And in second edition, oh, wow. it's a ninth level spell. Well, I mean, it's also pretty okay. much permanent okay. right away. Um, and it also kind of... The spell text also kind of hints at using it as a oh, trap. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, you, you walk into the circle and you're accidentally teleported 500 <laughs> yeah. miles away. And underground. Right. And underwater. Or whatever. You know, just some really mean For shit. For sure. <laughs> I thought that was fun, but teleportation circles a lot of fun. And I always try. It's one of the ones that I go out of mm-hmm. my way to try and For incorporate, sure. basically. Because they're cool, and th- it's the sort of stuff that we're all here for, basically. I watched way too much. I watched way too much Star Trek: Next Generation as a kid to not be into a teleportation <laughs> circle as an idea. For sure, basically. Yeah, and I especially appreciate making it like the um, the effort that it takes to make it permanent in fifth edition. Casting it there every day for a year—it's really only something you can do. You know, if you're giving your party a lot of downtime in your campaign, if you're playing something that's epic and sprawling and kind of taking multiple years to uh, to go through the whole story, um, then you can potentially give your party enough time to, you know, make a permanent teleportation circle. Uh, but that's something that, uh, you know, there's, there's not always going to be room to, to make that happen within the realm of a campaign. Um, so... I appreciate the option, but like that, it is not uh, just a given. It's not just automatically permanent. You know, it takes that uh, time investment. Yeah, for sure. 
And then in Pathfinder, it's also a higher level spell. I don't think it's all the way up at ninth, although it might be. But um, but Pathfinder has uh, something called mm-hmm. a permanency spell, yep. which does what exactly yeah, what it for sure. sounds like it does. Same in 3.5, um, so yeah. So your teleportation circle is not permanent until uh, right. it is made right. permanent, basically. Uh, which is, you know, something that 5th edition is lacking, in my opinion, is that sort of permanency to um, certain magical effects. To, so, like, having a spell that makes things permanent, or maybe even, like, a... Um, the sorcerer's meta magic that you can make things permanent with, you know, I, I, I really think there's room to incorporate something like that within the workings of fifth edition. Now, I was sad to not see that uh, anywhere present when I was learning how to play fifth, uh, fifth ed. So. Yeah, it is kind of a bummer too. Cause it's kind of, it's one of those things where, again, I get why they did it because after, after Pathfinder and really just you know the entire history of the game <laughs> up to this point, uh, TV Tropes has a page called uh, "Linear Warriors mm. and Quadratic Wizards," which you know is kind of was long been D and D's problem, and I appreciate um, their efforts to kind of make things more balanced so that like martial classes have more to right. do at higher mm-hmm. levels, basically. But yeah, I feel like sometimes there has been. The, like, high-level magic should be kind of awe-inspiring, mm-hmm. and in some ways it's mm-hmm. not in 5th edition. This is kind of a whole conversation for another time, yeah. but, yeah. Permanency Absolutely. is a big part of that, I think. Anyway, I looked it up. Teleportation Circle is still a ninth oh, nice. level spell in Apparently. Pathfinder, so, oh, well. This is fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> this is fine. Cool. Okay. Mike, you got I do. So, uh, my sixth level spell is Hero's Feast, uh, which is a, a great spell for clerics and druids. Um, it's like aid on steroids, basically, because instead of just giving, you know, five permanent HP, you're increasing uh, the HP by 2d10, uh, which is anywhere from 2 to 20. Um, and it's a sixth level spell, so it kind of gets that feel of that that kick that higher level magic does um it also benefits everyone who consumes the meal that you create with this um this spell uh that takes 10 minutes to cast and takes an hour for everyone to eat um so it's definitely not something that can just happen on the fly you have to set aside time to uh to do this and um yeah, then at the end for 24 hours after you have consumed that meal, um, everyone has 2d10 extra HP um, to, added to their hit point maximum like aid. So it doesn't go away until the spell ends, um, but you also become immune to poison and being frightened gives you uh, advantage on wisdom saving throws, um, which, yeah, is huge uh, just to kind of give that to everybody as a blanket is awesome so yeah it's it's one of my top uh spells in fifth edition certainly so yeah for sure it's a good one it's um one that as again as a super cleric guy i also kind of don't use very much because i guess i couldn't in 
some situations, but me, um, as a spell <laughs> slot porter, um, I'm very precious with all my, I'm very precious with all my spell slots. And, um, my concern sometimes is that it's like, well, I'm not, how am I supposed to know if I'm going to be able to cast this or if it's going mm-hmm. to be useful the next day, we could have a hero's feast. And then the next day we're right, like, right. going shopping. Yeah. Not always, but you know, it, and that's rarely the experience of it, I guess. Like usually when, like it's kind of clear when it's going right. to be like you know that you're going right? into a big dungeon where you know maybe the the boss of the the big bad evil guy's lair or one of his main henchmen or something is there so it, it's definitely something that you do to prepare for going into a dangerous situation so for sure that's fair also but Kind of more importantly, uh, with the six level slot, mm-hmm. you only get one of them, and heal is right Fair. there. Yeah, so I always have I always have heal ready to go. I guess nothing's stopping me from like preparing both of them at the same time, and then if I don't, yeah, if I don't use that six level slot on heal or you know spiritual <laughs> weapon, yeah, yeah, suppose I still could use it. Uh, Going through these spells has kind of been like a master class in all the things I don't do as a mm, cleric, mm-hmm. you know? I'm just trying to keep my head above water. <laughs> like, I'm like, guiding bolt? <laughs> Who needs it? Who needs um, it? Yeah, I, I did also want to give a quick shout out to uh, Forbiddance, which is another cleric spell. Um, that's super great basically it's something it's a spell where you make a kind of uh, ward around a place Um, it takes 10 minutes to cast and it lasts for 24 hours Uh, so it's something that you again have to kind of plan out and do like maybe with your home base or you know if you have uh, a location that you're trying to hold down Um, basically you get to specify types of creatures um, that cannot enter this space. Or if they try to, then they have to, they just take damage. They don't even get a spell, uh, a spell save, I mean, um, to resist it or anything like that. They just get hurt uh, and get potentially pushed out as well. Um, And you can also like give a, you know, give out a password. So if you just want to say that no one can enter unless they know the password, then, you know, that's another way to kind of create that um, magical ward. So, yeah, if you're trying to hold down a place or if your party has a, um, a base of operations and you use it regularly enough that you're there every day, you can just take 10 minutes to, you know, cast the spell at the beginning of the day and no one can enter without without the password or if they're like, a, you know, fey, fiend or whatever, you also can't, um, access the area by means of planar travel. So coming from the astral or ethereal plane or shadow fell or Feywild or whatever, um, or using the plane shift spell. So it's a very strong barrier from things that are trying to potentially enter um, whatever stronghold you have set up. Um, it's really nice, but it's kind of situational. I, I like it a lot, but there are, it, it's kind of a niche use for it. So that's why Heroes Feast got the uh, the actual spot for me on my list. So yeah, for sure. 
Man, we could have used that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, instead, you guys just let Dragon show up and lay the place to waste. So <laughs> It's true. We did that pretty mm-hmm. regularly, actually. For those of you, this is all very inside baseball. For those of you out there, um, when uh, in Mike's game years ago now, when we were playing through Tyranny of Dragons, we um, cleared out a haunted house in Waterdeep and converted into a, a bar slash resorts place slash also our headquarters because why not? And it was called the Spookeasy because it was a speakeasy, but it used to be a haunted house. But as you can imagine, operating a prominent uh, place of house of ill repute, <laughs> I yeah. guess, or whatever. Yeah. Just totally painted a target on yep. our backs, basically. So, you know. But it was so we got attacked a lot at the spookeasy. But it was fun. Anyway, we could have used forbiddens <laughs> is the point. Yes. Uh yeah, that would have been one of those situations where it, it comes in handy on a regular basis for sure. Um but uh yeah, that's so that's that's what I got for, for sixth level. Uh how about you? What was your sixth level spell? I went okay. with Arcane Gate. Yeah, it's cool. Like, it's like Dimension Door, but like you can take everybody through it, basically. Mm-hmm. And 500 feet is not a small distance. So anywhere you can see within 500 feet, you can set the other end of your arcane gate, mm-hmm. in, basically. And so this, um, the potential for circumvention is just outrageous. Yes, yeah, absolutely. With arcane gate. No, I I definitely remember on multiple occasions in our last campaign uh, when Bob was playing his Warlock and had access to Arcane Gate where you guys just sort of circumvented some uh, traps and things that I had set up um, or barriers to try and force you guys to cross. And Bob was just like, nope, Arcane Gate, we get across. Like, okay, cool. I guess that happens then. All right. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. What can you do? Um. So yeah, unless except I guess create an illusory wall that makes it look like there's something 500 feet away on the other side, but is in fact like you know just a wall, so they, you're not actually seeing anything mm. that's over there to teleport into. You just kind of hmm. How would that work? I need to think <laughs> about this. Teleporting via, uh, uh, transporting yourself via arcane gate into an illusory space. One that's not actually space, mm-hmm. but is like solid. It's a fun one to think about. Yeah, see, there's fun implications Absolutely. with arcane gate. And yeah, in addition to its tremendous, mm-hmm. tremendous utility. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, do you I have a seventh do. level spell? So for my seventh level spell, I picked Simulacrum, which is fun to say as much as it is to use. Simulacrum. Uh, so basically what Simulacrum does is it makes an illusory duplicate of one beast or humanoid uh, that is within range for the entire casting time of the spell. Um, so... Yeah, it's it's super useful. You can, you know, create duplicates of all kinds of things, even like yourself as a spellcaster, because there are specifics of like, 
you know, it can't regain hit point or uh, hit not hit points, but um, spell slots, but indicating that you can create something with spell slots. So if you, you know, prepare a bunch of really strong spells and you don't want to necessarily have to make sure that you prepare all of those every day or you want to have access to other things, you can just spend a 12 hours casting this spell and create a uh, icy duplicate of yourself that can cast all of the same spells that you have prepared for that day. Um, and then that thing just follows you around until it gets destroyed, essentially. Um, now, granted, it does have um, half the number of hit points that you or whatever you're duplicating um, has, but... Uh, but you can also repair it by taking some time and uh, like an alchemical laboratory um, and basically 100 gold per hit point uh, gets regained, which is pretty steep. But when you're able to cast seventh level spells, you should have that kind of scratch to be able to spend on, uh, you know, repairing your simulacrum. Um, so it's, it's not cheap, but it does, you know, have that benefit there uh, to be able to, to heal it. And, uh, yeah, it can do anything. And apart from, you know, it needs to be a beast or a humanoid that's within range for 12 hours, there really aren't any other restrictions. So it can be any any level of CR uh, creature that you want to, as long as it fits in with the humanoid or the beast, um, which is super handy. For sure. Although yeah, beast, beast is, is pretty specific, specific, so there's there's there only going to be so many things that are beasts that you can make with it. Um, but humanoids are all types of, you know, human-sized creatures that run around. So yeah, for sure. Does do we think that you can um, have a simulacrum that casts <laughs> simulacrum? I, I mean, that can cast hmm, it, or there, does there's that no count? specific rules as written. So I, I think. Um, let me actually see. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, moving and acting in accordance with your wishes. I would be inclined to be kind of like, yeah, come on, it, man. it's going to make a duplicate <laughs> in that duplicate sort of situation. Of, it, it turns into a duplicity type thing where you know duplicate number four is you know maybe a little bit special. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I suppose it's like rules as written. It's possible, possible. Um, but, uh, yeah, as a DM, I would probably put my foot down before too many duplicates got cast or created, I should say. And it does take 12 hours to do that as well. So, yeah. For, for sure. But if your simulac simulacrum is not up yeah. to much, like on a given yeah. day, I like the idea though, like you were suggesting though, that like the further, if you'd allow your simulacrum to make you know more simulacrums of itself the like starting with that second with right. the copy it, of the it copy. just starts to show a little For bit that you're rooms. you're making the copy of the copy not just show like assuming it was doing a few yourself like i would just say okay you're mm -hmm. gonna be down a level yeah. basically and also yeah. show because that's fun. But yeah, I mean, you you could and if just you wanted it to like last forever, or if you were going to be away for a year, but you wanted to have a teleportation circle ready for whenever you needed to zap back, you know, just create a simulacrum with teleportation circle memorized or prepared, and have it 
Although I guess it doesn't regain spell slots, so that doesn't actually work. Never mind. But you could do something similar, right? Like it could oh, it. take actions. It could, you know, guard your home or, you know, whatever. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to come with you and be an, like a combat ally. There are a lot of other utility um, aspects to the simulacrum as well. Sure. I was thinking... <laughs> I'm still stuck on the teleportation circle thing. He was like, you could give it 365 scrolls of teleportation <laughs> you circle. Could. But you very well could. Yeah. Seems unlike, seems pretty <laughs> yeah. improbable. <laughs> At that point, you yeah. just like pay someone first... to do it for you instead. So, Yeah, yep. pretty much. Who has the time? <sighs> yeah. Back to the spookies. That's what anyway. you guys did in the attic. Yeah. But we also had That's a big get downtime gap where we were able to kind of make that happen. So That's yeah. true. We did. Anyway, to tie things together a bit, uh, my seventh level spell is plane mm, shift. Nice. Because you can plane shift to a teleportation yeah. circle. Not everybody knows that. So yeah, plane shift is fun. Um, so... Planar travel is um, not always easy and has not always been made as easy and intuitive mm -hmm. as Plane Shift makes it. But uh, using Plane Shift, uh, you and your friends can all lock hands in a um, um, beatnik poetry <laughs> circle and transport to the plane yeah. of your choosing, which uh, not ain't bad, at bad all. man. Not at <laughs> like, all. Yeah. You want to go chill in Sigil for a while? Sigil? Sigil? What are we, um, where so are we on Sigil is the pronunciation of the place. Although, according to the lore as written, you're not actually able to plane shift into Sigil, I don't believe. You have to find one of the portal doors to get there. Um, so, just because it is the city of yeah, doors, sure. and that's kind of its thing, is, you know, connecting all of the realms through all of the doors. Um but I could be wrong about that. Um, That's a little weird. That's like, well, we're connected to literally every other plane that exists, most of which are extremely dangerous. Mm -hmm. You know what? We can't have randos just showing up, plane shifting in here. <laughs> we got to lock that down. Everything well, else is Yeah, fine. I mean, the thing about it is, though, you need, and maybe we can just delve into Sigil uh, and the floating donut that it is in another episode because there's a lot to unpack there. But you basically need to know where the doors are and you need a, sp a special key to get through those doors at any given time. Um, so it's not like anyone can walk in from anywhere when willy-nilly, right? Like there are some restrictions up already, uh, which is part of, I think, why Plane Shift might not work in Sigil. 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 Anyway. It's yeah. something to look into for okay, the lore. Fair. And yeah, we could probably just take a, an episode to unpack all the crazy stuff going on there. So, yeah. That sounds like fun. So, okay, maybe you can. <laughs> but anywhere else there, in the, uh, you know, in the Great Wheel cosmology, you can just bamf there with your party. Uh, yeah. For sure. Um, which is weird because I'm pretty sure. Frick, what's it called? The one that sends you to the astral plane. Pretty sure it's ninth level still. Um, Maybe not. Yeah, astral, astral projection. projection. Uh, I'm not sure what level that is right offhand. I'll have to look that up. 
which I can do while we're talking here. Okay. So Mike can do that. But um yeah, it's nice. Use with caution though, because um other planes are extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yes. Most of them really. And uh yeah, also a good one for a GM if you want to um, you know, if your baddies are getting the crud kicked out of them and they need to get out of there in a hurry. I especially want to highlight um the fact that uh, mm. the Rakshasa, which is one of the coolest monsters, the Rakshasa is playing shift and is also, you know, can't really take a mm-hmm. ton of hits. So that's a fun one mm-hmm. for that to have. And yeah, basically, if you um, if you have a monster, if you're looking at their stat block and um, they have plane shift, make sure to remember to use for sure. it. Probably as a like getaway thing. Also remember that um, if you have any sort of inclination like me to be like, oh, I'm going to shift to the abyss and I'm going to take you with me. Remember, you can't do that because everybody who's going with has to be holding hands. So just there are limitations to this extremely busted spell. But yeah, just worth keeping in mind. Um, And I did look it up and astral projection is in fact a ninth level spell. So. Um, but there are uh, a lot of other caveats to that that make it different from plane shift. So, which maybe yep. we'll get into at some point when we talk I'll... about astral projection. Uh, it's not on my list, but uh, yeah, it's not on my list either. What silver cord? What? I thought it was a different plane. What the fuck? Are you no, doing no. You like you make an astral projection of yourself, and it's like linked by this silver cord um that is kind of the the tether that connects your soul to your body on the material plane and uh yeah it can be cut by the gif yanki gif zarai maybe yeah. one of those two has silver swords as they're sailing around in the air okay it's on the, the actual scene yeah they're also dicks yep anyway yeah, but like the first time I read the spell, it's like no, but it's a different plane. Well, how can a physic? How can this cord be like an actual thing mm-hmm. that connects yeah. anything? But it's magic. Just, I think I've been. <laughs> yeah, I've been. At this point, I've been in the weeds long enough that like I'm just like it's fine. Don't worry. Yeah, about there's. It. I fine. mean, it's also it, it kind of harkens see. back to the idea of astral projection, which is you know a, a thing that in, in quotes exists uh, in real life. Um, and has that sort of uh, kind of binding of, you know, pers- people sending their souls out into the world and then they're sort of tethered to their body. Um, so the, it exists in a lot of real uh, folklore from the real world that we all live in. Uh, maybe. Maybe this is all a simulation. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it, it has its roots in, in that, which is where that silver cord idea comes from, I think. So. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, then. Astral projection is wild. Look it up sometime. Uh, not just the spell, but what it means uh, in terms of uh, the lore around it. Uh, anyway, that's 7th level. Do you have anything for 8th level? I'm oh, I'm okay. actually done. I don't have any 8th or ninth cool. level spells, because basically all the ones I kind of wanted to talk about, I considered combat spells. For sure. Um, which, you know, happens. Yeah. Once you're getting to this point, a lot of stuff really is kind of like you it it probably has at least one direct mm-hmm. combat application 
or something sure. like that. And, uh, yeah. Which my ninth level spell definitely does. Um, but I, I do want to take a quick se- second to talk about an eighth level spell. I almost didn't put any eighth level spells on this list so I could fit in things in other places. But I think it's worth talking about uh, Glibness, which is a spell that's only available to bards and warlocks. And basically, when you cast this spell on yourself, um, any charisma check that you make, the lowest number that you can roll on the die is a 15. So it just makes you super, like, charming to people when you're talking to them, right? It can be super useful to, you know, if the face of the party is a bard or a warlock and they need to be really convincing, they can just have this on them and have this in their kit um, and just boost all of their charismatic abilities which you know if you're a bard you're probably taking expertise in persuasion anyway so this gives you a huge buff to that and by the time you're casting eighth level spells you probably have a charisma score of 20 so this is you know minimum you're looking at um by the time you're casting eighth level spells you have a proficiency of five and a modifier a charisma modifier of five so you're talking like a 20 being the lowest that you could roll and if you have expertise that's 25 is what that makes it um so yeah super useful in terms of like role-playing uh type stuff and situations um although the eloquence bard gets this ability much earlier essentially it's a little bit different but um still a good one to have in your kit uh in a lot of situations so yeah Yeah, for sure uh with glibness i do want to shout out its pathfinder version which um oh wow third level spell but it's different it's just you get you give yourself plus 10 to a bluff oh okay bluff checks basically for a bit and which is nice because the one time I was playing a Pathfinder game and I was an evil bard working at cross purposes with the rest of the party, it allowed me to be just like uh, Loki in that one bit in mm. Thor Ragnarok, where he just turns around and he's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. It is a goodness, lot of fun. It's fun. So, yeah, I think, though, yeah, setting a roll at 15 is definitely worth that uh, spell level increase, I think. Yeah. It's like the one time you need yeah, to Yeah, and you, and you get that for an hour. So you, you get the chance. It's not just like a one-time use. It's you're, you're having a conversation with these people, and you really need to be convincing. So you have that all the way through all of it, which is nice. So, yeah. Um, That's good. Yeah. And then uh, my ninth-level spell, which, uh, again, is has some combat implications but is not necessarily just a combat spell and that's why it's on this list and not the other um is true polymorph uh which is like polymorph but better which is why i included polymorph on the list or true polymorph and just gave an honorable mention to uh regular polymorph so Basically, what True Polymorph allows you to do as a spellcaster is turn things into other things. Um, With Polymorph, you're limited to it just being a beast, uh, which, as we talked about earlier with Simulacrum, can be a little bit limited. Um, 
But with true polymorph, you don't have that restriction. You can also turn objects into creatures and you can turn creatures into objects. Um, so it's, it's kind of, again, hearkening on a lot of that classic sword and sorcery type stuff where, you know, Mickey Mouse is just uh, creating uh, the, well, I guess that's more like animate object. What am I thinking of? Um, I was going to say that that's classic yeah, animation. Uh, oh, in, oh. um, fuck. What is the name of that? Stardust. Yeah. Stardust. So in Stardust, the big, bad, evil, witch at the kind of at the, the start of the main adventure, she turns, uh, a billy goat into, well, she turns a person into a billy goat. And then later on, she turns another goat into a person to be sort of the uh, errand boy or page boy that runs around this, this uh, um, like hotel, you know, inn that she's created on the side of the road to try and uh, trap the, the main uh, characters into. Um, but that again is, it's kind of playing on these like classic tropes of the really powerful wizards just creating, you know, using a stool and turning that into, uh, you know, a creature, um, and vice versa, you know, like someone's attacking them or they're displeased with their underlings. So they just transform them into a table. <laughs> um, like there's a lot of really cool aspects yeah. and nuances to true polymorph, um, and, and it's a, that ninth level spell. So it's something that has that sort of incredibly powerful magic uh, presence behind it. You, you get a lot of really good kick for it. Um, and, and there's not as huge of a drawback as like say casting Wish, uh, where your DM's just probably gonna fuck with you out of spite because you're altering reality with it. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, True Polymorph, a <laughs> lot of fun, uh, has a lot of potential and yeah, you can, basically do all kinds of shit with it uh in combat and outside of combat as well so yeah for yeah. sure couple things stardust uh good movie good movie great book and a great uh adaptation into a uh graphic novel as well um all all of the iterations have mm. been fantastic and all different enough that you can enjoy them all without it feeling repetitive so yeah check it out Cool. I uh, we watched it one night. We were we had come home from like date night, so mm -hmm. like, and then I was just like, "Who wants a Manhattan?" Right? <laughs> yep. And <laughs> these are the conditions under which I saw Stardust, so I don't remember a lot of the particulars. But I do remember watching it and being like, "This seems like there's kind of a Neil Gaiman vibe to this one that they're trying to imitate," and then. The end. It's like based on the book yep. by Neil Gaiman, screenplay <laughs> yeah. by Neil Gaiman. Like, oh, that's like, why it feels like a Neil Gaiman story oh. because it fucking is. You know yeah. what? This really ties everything together <laughs> in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um. Yeah, but the the book was great. I I read the book first and then saw the movie and then um I had a friend who also had the uh graphic novel adaptation and sort of burned through that really quickly. Um. So all of them are great. It's a really great, like, yeah. weird twist on a lot of classic fairy tale type tropes. So, yeah, check it out. Hashtag not a sponsor. For sure. <laughs> Stardust did not yes. sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stardust did not sponsor this episode. <laughs> Although, yeah, 
Yeah. Anyway, second thing uh, regarding True Pro LA Marf. This is one of those th- situations where talk to your GM if you were thinking about using it to make sure that what you have in mind is going to yeah, fly absolutely. by their book. Because uh, there's, yeah, you if you too much time spent thinking about the different ways you could or could not use polymorph would drive you nuts <laughs> so make that your gm's problem because that's what they signed up for yep whether they know it or not all right anyway uh so yeah, yeah absolutely any any uh last minute shout outs or anything that we didn't touch on as far as spells are concerned for you there, Rob. Hmm. I, I thought about talking about true, talking about true Mm. seeing, which Mm -hmm. is a fun one, but you know, it's best if you have the gem, you want your gem of true seeing. If you're going to be doing true seeing, that's what I say. Other than that, no, I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah, no, I think we, yeah, we covered uh, pretty much everything here. We got to to go in uh, in depth at a lot of our favorite spells here, which is awesome. Um, If you listeners out there have opinions about what we've listed as our favorite spells or have anything that you feel like we missed in this conversation, uh, give us a shout out. You can contact us, uh, on Twitter at 19 hits the dragon. Um, you can email us at 19 hits the dragon at gmail.com as well. Um, let us know if there's anything that uh, you feel deserves a shout out that we didn't touch on here um, in, in either of these episodes about our, our favorite spells, combat and non-combat alike. Uh, we always like to get feedback and have conversations about D and D and, and other games. So yeah. For sure. Give us a shout. Let us know what you think. Let us know your opinion, what you like, what spells you like, what spells you don't like. We're here for you. And uh, yeah, remember to uh, like, comment, <laughs> yes. and subscribe on whichever platform yeah, you listen to. Leave reviews, give us uh, ratings and all of that goodness uh, really helps us know uh, if we're doing a good job or if we're not and if we should just go away forever. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah we, we appreciate you listening and uh, checking out our little show here and um, tune in next week for more conversations about things uh, and stuff yep. um, also a huge shout out yes. to my fiance who is editing these episodes Hannah love you dearly see you shortly yep. and shout out to Paul Mackey for uh, composing this theme song and performing absolutely it is the power ballad power metal ballad of my dreams so i i love it it's yeah i guess really so. ballad. it's like going yeah. at a good 120 you know? let me give your brother credit nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like i really shouldn't do that into the mic it's going to create bad noises and might damage it anyway uh but yeah it's a yeah, good song absolutely right. uh Yeah, thanks for listening, y'all. We will catch you next time on 19 Hits the Dragon. Bye-bye. Peace out.